Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, everybody. I am Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness. We are the Holderness family. This is our podcast. Wow, that was really Rick D's of you. Well, I had to get it out of the way. Uh, this is gonna be a, this is gonna, it's going to be a different kind of podcast. Um, we are in the middle still of COVID-19. However, even though we've been talking about nothing but COVID-19, we are changing the subject this week. Yes, because another very, very serious problem in our country. Yeah. So... Uh, as a practice, I don't usually write and recite words for our podcast, and you can probably tell because I stammer a fair amount. If you know me personally, you know that I have some strong opinions about social issues, but on these platforms, like Facebook sometimes, even on the podcast, uh, as a practice, I don't dive super deep into the social issues because for the most part, our family mission and kind of the covenant that we have with people who watch us is to give you a place to laugh, mostly at us, and sometimes if it's okay to laugh at yourself, because that's fun as well. <laughs> this week, I want you to know ahead of time, I'm going away from both practices. If you want silly, goofy Christmas jammies pen, you can press stop and move on to the next podcast or video, and I will not judge you. I would encourage you to keep listening, though. I would, I, I would encourage you to keep listening, but I'm trying not to judge. Okay. I am the son of a man and woman who, as a pastor and social activist, gave their entire lives to helping the disenfranchised and working with the black community of Durham, North Carolina. Mom and dad founded Project Graduation, which is this graduation night party that brought together the black and white communities of Durham, which, if you know much about Durham, it's still kind of segregated in a lot of places. They started Urban Ministries of Durham, and they helped grow the food bank of Eastern North Carolina. Mom and dad are both struggling now with dementia, so they can't say or do much anymore when they see an injustice. But if they could talk, and if their brains were working like they should, they would see that their son is angry and confused after seeing a video of a Minnesota cop with his knee on a black man's neck this week. It seems almost weekly a video like this is posted. Mom and dad know me pretty well. They would probably know that I was confused about why it happened, they would know that I was scared about what this would do to our country. They would also know that because I am a white male, that deep down I am terrified that I have some of this hate and ignorance in my DNA. And that's real. 
I would ask mom and dad for advice about all these feelings, and they would start by telling me that I need to feel this way. Then they would tell me that love is the answer. They must have told me that love is the answer a million times growing up. And when they said it when I was like six years old, I didn't understand what that meant. And even when I was like 14 and going through puberty and I thought, oh yeah, love is the answer now. Love is the answer. Uh, and then I learned that love is a lot deeper, uh, especially in their eyes. And they would encourage me in this particular case to start by making a difference in my community because that's what they do. And they would also tell me, which they've done before, they would tell me to shut up and listen for long periods of time. And then my dad would probably make a joke that I don't shut up and listen that often. So today is another practice that I'm going to plan on breaking is I'm going to kind of shut up and listen uh, as much as I can here. I want to know the best and most positive way to move forward from this. And if I don't focus on a positive way forward, if you know me, it's going to break me. So I'm really glad that we have the guest that we have today. He is a colleague and a friend, and he is one of the most positive people that I know. Um, yeah. So thank you for clicking play on this. Um, we love this podcast. We do this. So we have dedicated time to better ourselves. Um, we've talked and cried and learned here. Um, but we don't typically dive into the issues of race. And um, we would and when we did, we used very safe language like don't be a racist or we don't tolerate tolerate racism in our friend groups. And we have mentioned the activism of Penn's parents and the civil rights movement and their involvement in local organizations. But that was kind of it. You know, we didn't really feel called to dive dive in on this platform. But personally, you should know, I have attended marches. I have made phone calls. I've been mad and I've cried tears of rage. And I felt like no one needed to really hear that from me. <laughs> As a middle-aged white woman who makes goofy videos on the internet, I felt like, why would anybody need my voice in a discussion on racism, right? I know now, because I'm a white woman with an audience and a microphone, um, and I have an audience of people who look a lot like me, that that's the exact reason I need to lend my voice to this. Yeah, we've created this community that loves these goofy videos, but we are humans, and we live in a country that has over- and over again, failed people of color. And I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to say first that we are going to get this wrong. We are humans, and please accept apologies for the fumbles we will make. Um, trying to ask the right questions and to get these conversations started, but just know that we come from a place of humble learning, and our intentions are to lend support and not talk over any of the work of activists or people of color. Um, second, white friends, please don't. What about this? If I see one more, what about? Well, they they were they did they resisted or they no. If you're tempted to say, but what about? Just stop and listen. And if this makes you uncomfortable, well, guess what. <laughs> Our friends of color have lived in this discomfort their entire lives. Yeah. So it's fine to feel awkward for a few minutes, okay? Now, my new friend, I call her friend because I've just been following and reading her for years. Uh, her name is Jen Hatmaker. We're actually interviewing her for a podcast next week. Um, she's written a new book. It's amazing. Um, and if you can, get it on Audible and listen to it before our podcast next week. Um, she had an Instagram post I want to read to you. I'm going to paraphrase uh, a little bit of it. But she she's white. She has five kids. And she's um, she actually adopted uh, 
to um, to children from Ethiopia years ago. So she is is living this and walking this. But paraphrasing her very eloquent Instagram post from this week is, quote, I feel threatened, and quote, he resisted, and quote, she did not comply, and quote, he matched the description, and quote, I was afraid for my life, are modern day code words that give white supremacy a secure, reliable foothold in this generation, free of all accountability and justice. Racism is wildly adaptable. Then she goes on to say, if we are not anti-racist, we are racist. And I felt that. She. It's a very eloquent post. I will put everything in the show notes. Um, I did make a post on Instagram and Facebook stories asking for podcast guest suggestions to help us start tackling this subject because I know there's no end to this. Um, A lot of you came forward with brilliant suggestions and I want to thank you and love you on you that you think I could get Oprah and um, Michelle Obama on this podcast. Bless you children that you think that I have that sort of access. But um, I'm very open and there are some that accuse me of being part of the problem, Um, accusing me of being anti-cop for the record. I never mentioned police in the video call out. Uh, people felt we should interview a white person to help white people process in- this information. Others felt very strongly it needed to be a person of color because we would be blind to our pro- privilege of not. Some of our friends of color messaged us saying they are just so tired. They've been having this conversation for so long. Now, I was asking them to do more work. I hear you. I, I hear that. And you're right. Again, we are going to intro our guests here real soon, and we're going to ask the wrong questions. We're, we're going to miss a big question, I'm sure. We're going to fumble through, but I want to share, I went to a workshop last year on how to be a positive ally, and as, as we're looking for just the stuff you can do right now, I'm all for like a list and something super simple. The easiest thing you can do, I just want to say right now, is to broaden your social media feed. If you like baking, follow black bakers if you're like diy like follow black creators there but also there are people that are tackling this subject um of of racism and diversity and inclusion every single day i follow uh rachel cargill and i'll put all this stuff in our show notes um i follow the conscious kid austin channing and latasha morgan uh, morrison i'm so sorry she's the founder of be the bridge so go to be the sign up for emails be the bridge has a private Facebook community that you can join after answering some questions and they make it so, and this is brilliant. You got to sit there for 90 days. There's three months of listening before you can post or comment. There are courses and learning modules you need to go through before you can post and comment. And man, I am here for it. Um, there's also some other uh, websites that I'm going to uh, share with you that may have local chapters um, uh, in your community. Uh, there are some books that I'm reading. One's White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. I have a local church here, Church on Morgan. Go to their Instagram feed, Church on Morgan. They're doing a reading of this, kind of a book, a virtual book club that's very limited seating. <laughs> I'm using air quote seating, but if you wanted to join that, go to the Church on Morgan's uh, Instagram and and join that by clicking the link. I'm Still Here by Austin Channing, where she says doing nothing is no longer an option. And there, I'm going to put a book, uh, a link for some books for kids about starting this uh, discussion. 
So I want to introduce our guests for today, Jackie Ferguson and Donald Thompson. So Jackie, uh, we've known her for a while. She's amazing. She is the founder and head of content and programming for the Diversity Movement, a Walk West powered organization that promotes diversity and inclusion through content technology and data. She is the lead writer for the online diversity and inclusion course. It's called Diversity Beyond the Checkbox and the second season host of the podcast of the same name, rated one of the top 15 diversity podcasts to follow in 2020. She's a member of the National Diversity Council and a published ongoing content contributor. Uh, she's been volunteering for equality organizations since the 90s and donates to organizations that promote diversity in STEM, equality and education. Donald Thompson is the CEO of Walk West. And you're like, Walk West, isn't that the firm where you guys are partners? Yes, it is. And I'm very proud to be a partner there because as a CEO, he has created this environment where over 70% of the people are people of color, women and people of color. So he he has created that environment. And in, in addition to the work with the diversity movement, he has decades of experience growing and leading firms. He's a thought leader on goal achievement, influencing company culture and driving exponential growth. His, his resume is very long. Um, and he was the person I thought of first when I was like, who can talk to us? Because he knows us as people. He knows us, both Jackie and Donald know us as friends. And so they can talk to us in a really honest way on how to be more vocal allies. Welcome to Donald and Jackie. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here with you. Um, Tell us, you two, about the work as it relates to diversity and inclusion. And we talked about Walk West and that really amazing work environment you've put together. So tell us why that's so important, what that work means to you. So one of the things with the diversity and inclusion for it to really stay a hold and be a part of your DNA, your company, is you've got to have it organic first. You've got to have some believers and leaders in your organization that believe that if somebody can do the job, they get the job. And so as we were building our culture at Walk West, we wanted to build it around the capabilities of people, not necessarily a pedigree or a specific educational background, but can you provide value to the clients that we serve? And what we found is that now, uh, three, four years in, diversity and inclusion is a very powerful hiring tool. It's a very powerful tool when we're looking at marketing and different demographics. So what we found is the same tools, technologies, thought process, to move and change behaviors for brand build for our clients is the same kind of empathetic thinking that you have to have to be able to create organizational change with more emotionally charged issues like race and culture uh, and and gender diversity. And so we found that we were already in that lane, but we needed a little bit more education to be able to be there powerfully, but we were already intentionally moving in that direction. Uh, Jackie, why do you think it's so hard for communities like so you've done it in this workplace right so why is it hard so hard for the rest of us to catch up in our own communities why is it hard to catch up in our communities i mean the work is hard changing Mm -hmm. how you think about things and how you've been socialized to think about things is hard and it becomes a matter of real self-awareness you know we're busy And we don't think about how we actually think, Mm -hmm. but it's very important to have that self-awareness 
to be able to start mitigating, um, you know, our personal biases, which we all have, and um, the things that we've been socialized to believe. Um, and it's it's difficult. Um, but as we take time to really think about that and process that, we're able to make real change within ourselves and with the our organizations and the people around us. What are the most notable things that we've been socialized to believe in your opinion? Hmm. Socialization, you know, starts very early with our family and our friends and our peers and then goes to media. Um, and then we have to deal with our unconscious biases, which are natural things that occur in the brain. Um, the number of things that we process per second um, consciously versus unconsciously is incredible. And so our brain makes these shortcuts so that we can process through all of this different information. And in doing that, we make assumptions about people and assumptions about things um, based on having sometimes zero information. And so, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of things that go into that, but it's, it's biological, you know, and it starts from a very, very young age. One of the things, one of the things I would add to that, right. To your question of what are some of the things we've been socialized to believe right? Is that black is bad, white is good. Mm -hmm. and if you want to take it in terms of that, just that very simple construct, and then think about a game that many of us have learned to play, which is chess, mm -hmm. right? The white piece in chess moves first. <laughs> Why is that, right? These are, these are social constructs that deal in this very in our psyche, right? If you think about, um, if you're an African-American, one of the things early on, it's a little bit better now in, in media and Hollywood and things are moving in a good direction. But growing up as a teenager, there was a period of time that if you saw an African-American male in a horror film, he always died first. And we would make jokes about it and it would be a funny thing, but it's the messaging. If you think about the social constructs of how long it took before we had an African-American that was a quarterback of an NFL team. And sports is the most iconic thing outside of kind of education and religion, mm -hmm. right? In, in, our, in our country, you think about sports and we're good enough to play the game, but we're not good enough to coach the game. And so those are some of the cultural constructs that became a fabric in kind of the way that we were raised and the way that we see everyday life. And one of the things that, you know, I was, I was talking with somebody earlier about some of these topics today. And one of the things that was really interesting is that if you think about the word love and we love our children, we love our family and people talk about their love for their country. Well, think about it from an African-American's point of view when, when your country doesn't love you back. My country loves me if I'm an athlete. My country loves me if I am doing something that's economically valuable for the country, right? My country loves Donald Thompson because I'm a perceived successful business person. Mm -hmm. But when I'm behind the wheel of a car, I'm just another black man nothing else matters. And so those are some of the social constructs that are very, very impactful in the way that we visualize kind of everyday life. And, and I think that, you know, I, I have heard white people say, well, I'm colorblind. No, you're not. You're absolutely not. And I wasn't raised, I was raised to see no color. That's a lie. And because we were born with it. Right? That's right. And we we put these people into buckets because it kind of that's just biological. It kind of it helps us process information faster so that the, you see color. Do you act on it? No. But, but like that you see color. 
Um, talk to us about, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of outrage. It, it seems like weekly we're seeing videos that we shouldn't, that should never, anyway, we're seeing these things. And so there's a lot of outrage. And so f- finally, there's a lot of people like us who have microphones saying, okay, I'm sorry it's taken so long. Our, how do we get the conversation started in our community in an impactful way, in a way that would help without overstepping our our boundaries? Yeah, that's good. Do you want me to go first and then you finish, or do you want to go first? Go ahead. So what can you do to help, which is number one, a lot, right? The fact that, like, my um, we've known each other for many years uh, personally in business and personally and, and big fans, right, and cheering for each other and mm-hmm. the things that we're doing. And for you guys to take time and pick up the phone and say, let's have a conversation, that meant a lot to me personally, not just because of the microphone that you can amplify, but because of the dinners and the church and the friends that you have. There's one, the personality, Penn and Kim, but there's two, the human beings Mm -hmm. that you influence just in the daily life that you have, that you're living, raising a family. And so that means if more people in their family construct at their dinner table are having a more thoughtful conversation about what race realities mean. That means we're raising a different generation of thinkers instead of ignoring it because it hasn't hit close enough to home, but expanding that dialogue at the kitchen table first, then to the book club or to the gym or to that friend group. Those are the most authentic relationships that also need our care and communication with these, these tough issues. And so, so one is what you're doing right now, just wanting to be more aware. And even though it's taken a while, whether it's you or others, that the video evidence that you guys saw this week was so egregious that it forced an action orientation. Don't worry about why it took so long. That's something we can't control. Worry about where you are in the moment and and, and that activation that you want to be a part of now, because that's all I'm concerned with. Right. Like that's what gives me that little slice of joy and kind of this really interesting times. Yeah. I think to Don's point, having these conversations with our children is important Um, because what we want to raise is a next generation of people who don't tolerate this type of of action. And um, so that's one. The second part is being an ally out loud. I'm doing a lot of, of conversations and podcasts around allyship of different groups. And one of the things that is a is speaking up because it, it can be exhausting speaking on behalf of all black people or all LGBTQ people. And we need people who are allies to speak up for us and say, hey, this is wrong. This is inappropriate. And, um, you know, allyship is so important in moving any kind of diversity initiative forward, any kind of improvement forward with regard to race relations or equality or equity. Um, so those are the two things that I would add. I love that. I would, oh, I would say this, and I don't oh, know, because I got a lot to say. Bring it. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> like, right, like, We're here to but, listen. But in a, in a super powerful way, right? So I'm going to equate it to me as an African-American business leader, but then how it can empower you all with your platform. Um, One of the motivations for me to be successful in a business and financial way is because I am now a decision maker of who gets hired and who gets promoted. As an investor, I now have the opportunity to decide where checks go to grow companies. Mm -hmm. 
And it's one of the things to why I work a lot because my responsibility is different than those that if you need to hold a picket sign, if you're going to be a part of a march, that may be your lane and you need to run hard in your lane and do that. My job is to fund some of the people that need to do that. Mm. And so that financial growth creates those lanes. In your case, when companies and brands are hiring you to do the amazing work that you do in branding and communication and video, and then you look at the broader set, and if it all looks like you, then say something. Mm. When somebody is giving you guys, a, not giving you guys, you've earned it. When somebody's presenting with you with a financial offer that says, look, we want you to do this. Here's the jingle that we want. Here's the brand campaign. But we want Penn and Kemp. That is your moment to look at that contract and say, wait a minute. Let's ask them about diversity in their directors. Let's ask them about diversity on the team that they've got. Mm. And it doesn't mean you need to take a full financial risk to say yes or no. But the power you have of asking the question will make the people work hard to fix it because they want you to be a part of part of your team. So to leverage the platform you have to make that even suggestion, mm. you're going to get people to move in a different direction. And it's, it's pretty cool. And I have that impact in my small lane as a business person. And you guys have that broader impact in the different things you're doing and talking about because people believe and trust you based on the brand you've created, the quality of family that you guys have portrayed and live which is unique a lot, right, in, in, in the different circles. And you have that authority in a lot of different things that you guys are already doing. So just to clarify, you mean asking the question about diversity, not only in the other influencers that may be taking part in this campaign, but also in the leadership that's managing that, whether it's an agency or a brand. Is that correct? That's exactly okay, right. I got you. And, and, and absolutely asking that question. And one of the things that is, you know, if you think about larger companies, uh, like a, a Cisco, the world of different things, more and more of these companies are asking their suppliers, what is their diversity measurement within their company? Mm -hmm. When people are getting larger government contractors, there is a supplier diversity matrix to get large government contracts. At a micro scale, we can do that same thing. Mm -hmm. and, and you can say, listen, we're more favorable to take this on with XYZ if we know that this is something you guys care about. Because we right? know- Tell us about the internship that you're doing, all those different kinds of things. Because we know that when the, the, the people around the table are more diverse, like the, there's more productivity, there's better ideas. Like there's not, I mean, it, there's, there's statistics and research done by having a diverse background. Yeah. Um, okay. We yeah. have used this term, Jackie used it three times, you used it in the intro, I used it. You have it in your company name, Donald, Ally, okay? So allies, that is a, I, I hope by now everybody knows what that means, right? If they don't, it should be trending soon. It should become a, like a buzzword about how to become a better ally. So yep. I, I would love to dumb it down like I do with all of my reporting and music and everything and just talk to me, talk to me, Donald, talk to me like I'm an idiot. Or Tell Jackie, me. or Jackie. I, I know that one of the rules is shut up and listen. So I'm gonna do that. Um, tell me how to be like, in your opinion, in your perspective, what is the best way for white people to be good allies? I'm so, not afraid to put um, it into there's that. A, one, this is, this is good fun. And this is good <laughs> medicine for me. Good. Right. Cause even in a tough topic, like you guys are amazing. So how to be a, a better ally in general, right? It really comes down to the proximity that you have with people that are different than you. 
let me use an example of myself in working with digital accessibility for people that are blind, for example, mm -hmm. right? So a friend of mine, low vision, I think is the exact, the, the right term that we're working on, right? And so John Samuel is a friend of mine and he runs a company called LCI Tech. And he lost his vision when he was in school at North Carolina State. John and I have now become friends. We were working on a business relationship. WalkWest is partnering with their company so that we can provide digital accessibility with actual low vision testers. People that wouldn't necessarily get a leg up in the world, we're actually putting them to work with validating websites for companies. So we're doing what is considered a social good, but we're actually bringing a product to market, right, that can drive value for our company. But here's the, the crux. Because John is my friend, I now think about issues that he faces differently yeah. than what I see on TV because John's my friend. Mm -hmm. And if somebody hurts or impairs or creates rules that are not helpful to my friend, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so as you expand out becoming a better ally, it's really expanding that friend group, right? It's expanding those relationships that you have and deepening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So that now when you see something on the news, you're seeing something that affects my friend. Mm -hmm. It is when you look at your church and our churches, it's not just white people's churches. Like churches is still the most segregated day in our country. Yeah. So it's not just white church. Like that's not true. It is churches in general. But who are you inviting once we can get back out and, and social right. distancing? But who are you inviting, right, to those moments that are precious to you, that are different than you, so that those relationships deepen? And now being a better ally is not so much about the social justice only. It's about what you do for any of your friends. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I think is important. But I'll let you. Another thing regarding allies, Kim, you mentioned I'm colorblind. Like that's, you know, <laughs> people say that like it's a positive. But the issue with that is that you're not seeing me and you're not honoring my experiences. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, being an ally, you're able to do. You're able to do that in how you listen and how you think about your own biases and how you 
address other people in the moment when they say something that's biased. Well, why do you feel like that? Well, what makes you say that? Mm. And being able to ask one yourself those questions and two other people those questions, that's what makes you an ally. Because not only are you correcting a person in the moment or yourself, but you're also, if you're doing that in public, other people see that you are an ally and then it, it permeates in an, an entire culture. So one other thing on that, and Jackie, that's really, really good. And I want to give another specific. So you asked if like the very basic, think about any time you're trying to learn something new, you spend time with people who are good at it. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn how to be a better golfer, you don't go golf with me. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, like I just golf purely for fun, right? Like that's, that's it you find people that are ingrained in a space that can teach you. And so our course beyond the checkbox for diversity and inclusion is number one, it's fun. It's got podcasts, it's got video, it's got traditional teaching, but it covers the why, the how, and the impact of diversity and inclusion, not only in business, but our lives. So now all of a sudden, if people take that course, and they spend the four hours learning about the differences in neurodiversity, people with ADD, all kinds of differences that we have, you now strengthen your readiness to be a part of what is traditionally a difficult conversation. Because one of the things that's really important that we all have to realize about self, a lot of times when people are defensive or closed-minded to new things is because you don't wanna be ashamed of how you've acted about these things in the past. You don't wanna be made to feel guilty And you run from that, and that's a natural fear that we all have. That doesn't make anyone wrong or or anything like that. So if you take a course online with that psychological safety of learning something new in the privacy of your own home, some conversations at the dinner table, now all of a sudden you ready yourself on not the full spectrum of diversity. And now I'm, you know, it's I'm better prepared to ask questions that are thoughtful. I'm better prepared to think about my own language. I'm better prepared to now learn and assume some things because I've lived some things in the privacy of my home with my family where I feel that safety. And so that's where when we created the course, it was really from a business perspective and D&I in the workplace. And it just happened to be ready for this moment. Yeah. Right. And, and that's really important. And then the second thing, and you guys can edit, but I, I've got a lot. No, no, no. Keep my, going. No, right you're great. But the, the, the second piece that's really important when you're learning something new is you actually have to give yourself room to make mistakes and yeah. say the wrong thing. Yeah. You're not going to get it right. Even as I'm, I'm now, um, as long with Jackie and Kurt and Sharon, we're all now certified diversity executives. So we took this three-hour course. We went to Indianapolis. We sat through three-day intensive training. We did a project. Like we invested time in learning about this topic. And I still say dumb things. (laughs) That Jack and Jack can be like, that is not a good representation of what we're doing. (laughs) And and there's a fear of like this cancel culture. So some people should be canceled for stuff they've said. But there is this this fear of oh my gosh, I'm going to say something wrong on the internet and they're going to do it wrong. We passed that freaking line a long time well, ago. Well, I know, but... <laughs> I'm not worried about that. But there is that fear of like, you don't, you don't feel comfortable about what you don't know and how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to defend, you know, and in in be an advocate for social justice if, I, if I'm going to say the wrong words and there's like this fear, but you just got to get over it, right? You're going to make mistakes. That's right. 
diversity and, and inclusive language are journeys. It's not something that you get to a certain point and now you're, you know, a, a problem-free expert and you say everything exactly right. I would consider myself some CDE. I'm on the National Diversity Council. I wrote, I was the primary writer for this course. And, and in developing one of the assets specifically around inclusive language, I kept saying guys, because I'm from the Northeast. <laughs> and in and while I'm developing this and everyone would laugh and I, I would say, sorry about that, you know, and but it's something that that's okay, you know, you, everyone is on a journey and, and diversity and inclusion and inclusive language. It's a journey. And then you move to the so South exactly. where y'all is more politically <laughs> right. correct, but That's completely exactly grammatically right. bonkers. So <laughs> exactly it's right. a terrible word, but it works. It's but inclusive. It's inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew those Southerners did something we, right in the language. <laughs> we're smarter than y'all thought we were. Uh, Sorry, I was raised in the South that I find a lot oh, of what we say I, ridiculous. I was raised by an English teacher I, who I, would cringe if I, I ever said it. Okay. I do like, I love hearing, I love hearing that from you, y'all. Um, probably the, the, the black person that I am closest with was my work wife for eight years, who is now an employee at Walk West. And I remember at one point, I mean, you're in a newsroom, right? You like some stuff happens and it, it hits the fan occasionally. And I remember I told her when I very early when I knew her, I don't have a racist bone in my body. And she looked at me like, everyone's got a racist bone in their body. If you say that, that means you think you're done, which is a really, really good point. Right. Like, so she's like, I got a racist bone in my body. And I was like, tell me. And then Melanie. she told yeah, then she told me. And then and, and so but what what happened was we built a relationship where we were able to tell each other, OK, right there, that's you being that way that's you messing up. And I'm saying that with love. So she was very safe. It was a very safe place to learn. Yeah. That took working next to her for eight years. Um, and, and being, you know, within six feet of her for eight years to get to that point. So it makes me realize what challenges we have when there aren't, there's a lot of people who don't have that kind of closeness with someone who's of a different skin color. So how do we do that? The answer is to what you said before, like, broaden your broaden your friend circle i guess and is there are there organizations that are doing it right i mean i i found even in the last few days some or i've signed up for email lists and i'm there's local chapters and stuff like that um not just to broaden my friend group but just to be more active in in sure. yeah and and to and be more active anti-racist i should say um but do you have any favorites um you know, we have uh, on our website a selection of things that you can do. I think there's 21 actions that help you broaden your perspectives. So anything from reading um, autobiographies of people who look different than you to, you know, going to a different type of church or trying different types of food and having conversations with new people, um, you know, we tend to congregate with people in our in-group, which are people that look like us or think like us or have the same experience as us. And be intentional about going outside of that and getting new perspectives. And it helps you to learn. It helps you to build allies on your personal journey, which we all need. And um, I, that's what I would recommend. Okay. And I think also as white people, we just need to recognize our privilege in that like we haven't we don't we don't 
get what like like you were saying, Donald. Like you're driving down the street, you're the boss of the company. You you write a lot of checks, but then you're a black guy behind the wheel. I know I had a conversation with Melanie, who is Penn's work wife. She has two sons. She those boys yeah. were in button ups. They were she, they, they were not yeah. wearing hoodies outside. Whereas my son, he's ten. I'll never have to have that conversation with him. Although we have, we've had the conversation with him. Uh, but he's also, in Melanie, hoodies. yeah, Melanie tells them like they they, they shouldn't wear hoodies, which sucks. Why well, should you but, have I mean, to but do that's that? The but that's the privilege. She, yeah, yeah. That's the privilege that I have that my son can wear a hoodie and yeah. run down the street. Her sons are in pink button ups and are, you know, so that's the privilege. So when I say and to to my white friends, when I say privilege, it's not that you've had an easy life. It's not that you're rich. It's not that things have been handed to you. It's just that you're in this circumstance not because of your race it's because of anyway so that's where i I think also part of the journey of being an ally is just recognizing your privilege i think that's right one of the things that had the great fortune um one of my business mentors and great friend is grant willard and uh he middle-aged white guy and best friends for many years and we did a podcast called Ask a Black Guy, Ask a White Guy. I love that. And so we spent an hour just talking about some of these issues. But Penn, to your point, we have a 20-year friendship. You can't make up a topic we can't talk about and agree or disagree with love because that relationship is there. But to your question of how do you bridge that, right, is it's actually easier than one thinks. And so let me get back specifically with you guys. When you guys are building a shoot and doing different things, and then you need a, a free intern. Think about African-American producers, writers, comedians that would literally carry anything you guys need to watch you guys work for a day. Mm-hmm. Do that. It wouldn't cost you, like, literally, and I can help you p- be in contact with, with several. We pay but, interns because we think internships be, should be paid. But anyway, yes, please. Yes, we always need and, interns. And would and would love a paid internship. With right. Them, with them, right. But they would but they would benefit not only from the association and you guys from the interaction, but from the learning. Mm-hmm. So now, all of a sudden, you're using this allyship that you want to develop. But now you're doing two things. You're creating the empathy through new relationships. But now you're creating the pipeline issue where people use the excuse of, well, I would love to have a diverse team. I just I just can't find anyone that fits the quality level that I'm looking for. Right. And that's another kind of thing that I hear a lot that means like, yeah, that sounds nice at a cocktail party, but that's really a crack. Like, that's just not great. Right. But it's it's ways that we can all action differently to both teach, create that empathy and create those relationships. And knowing that people who are listening to this aren't social media people, are there action items like that? Are there things they can do on a, on a very small level that could have a big impact? So one of the things that is cool, and I appreciate you mentioning that, right? Because what does the everyday person do? What is the mom that's listening, right? How can she be active? Because there's a lot of people, black, white, brown, that are frustrated with the mm-hmm. way our country is going right now. I think most people need to focus on the language that we use with our kids. Mm. What is acceptable at home? Kids don't learn racism by birth. Mm -hmm. It's through association. It's through media. So when we're watching television and you see something that's biased, doesn't mean stop the show. Oh, saw something racy, right? It means after the show's over, like chat about it. 
Hey, did you see anything that was a little bit off-putting, the, the way that this came across? One of the things that my daughter, Sierra, <clears throat> talked to me about with women in the media is she watches the credits for every show that she's into. And if she doesn't see a diverse group of people working on it, she's less likely to keep watching the show. Interesting. And this is Generation Z and how they think and and uh, sort of the small things people can, I think it starts with how you talk about these things at home, right? Like, I think that's the number one thing. And I think for moms and dads, how do you take that educational uh, leadership and do some self-study on things that you may or may not understand? And then the third thing, right? Like, you know, there's some people that are willing to talk to you like myself, find them, ask them, or tell them to call me mm-hmm. or email me. Because I'm happy to have a conversation with people that are open-minded about things they might not understand. That doesn't mean I can speak for all black people, yeah. right? Like, like that's my new rhythm, right? Call Don, right? He's, you know, he'll be your he'll be your black friend for two hundred fifty dollars an hour. You know what I mean, right? But like, that's that's not like that's that's not what I do. But but I am open to be helpful, yeah, and, and point people in different directions. Help me with this. You talked early on about this, the video with George Floyd that was this actionable event that is, is causing people to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, you put a positive spin on it, which I appreciate it because I do believe in moving forward positively. I get worried that as, as a nation and as a group of media and social media and everywhere that they look at the white guy in that video and assume something about all white people. They look at the, they look at the black person in that video. They assume all like all things about those black people. And it becomes so quickly polarized that it turns into a shouting match. Um, I, I don't love that, but I also don't know what to do with it and the best way to diffuse it. I think the only thing that we can do Penn is have these conversations. Yeah. You know, I think, um, being able to talk about it is what's important um, because one stereotype versus the other is no better. And so being able to have these conversations and, and moving things forward in our own families and our own circles is really all that we can do. And, you know, as we make these corrections with ourselves and with our, our friend groups, um, you know, they'll do the same and, and hopefully it will, you know, permeate a, a wider, a wider group. Yeah, I think the, you're right, right. We have, we live in the most polarized time that I can remember, remember yeah. right? Like, and we can have a conversation about race without talking about the leadership of our country. And so I don't want to create a, a, a too political dynamic on, on your podcast, but I'll say it in this way the rhetoric we have with each other and the polarization is worse over the last three or four years and more people are angry about Mm -hmm. everything right there is a there's an anger thread to our political dialogue that is now seeped into our everyday lives and it's really really unfortunate and it means that in order to have a conversation about religion about politics about even sports you got to pick a me versus them or the scientists overwhelmingly say that we should wear masks to, dis- to to reduce the spread of a virus that doesn't give two about, right, mm-hmm. what color you are, right? right. And if we just wear these masks, it will be better, right? Independent of how much better will be better. And then we're having a political debate as to whether we should do that for the good of mankind or not. 
So then now you think about, well, if we can't handle this, how are we going to deal with something from a, a racial standpoint? Here's the thing that we have to remember. And I think this is one of the stronger pieces of advice that I can give you or, or perspective. Advice would mean I'm an expert and I'm sharing perspective is what I have in giving a perspective. Don't have conversations with people that don't want to have it. Dang. Like if we want to talk about what's up, I don't debate things with people who are trying to permeate a negative mindset without facts. Just keep it moving. Yeah. Because that's not who we're going to win. That's not the convert. Mm -hmm. Right. You you don't try to sell Jesus to somebody that's a 25 year atheist and whole mission is life is to tell you why Jesus doesn't exist. There are too many people that want what you're selling to spend all your time with the person that doesn't. That's the same thing with racial equity. That's the same thing with gender equity. That's the same thing with any kind of change. You need to find people that are open. Mm -hmm. And if they're open, they may have tough questions. I had a business person, white guy, middle-aged, because that's my target, because I can make a difference there because that's the, the, the realm that I can speak with authority and I've made enough money but that I have choices of who I spend time with and work with. So if I'm in a high octane conversation with somebody that's not hearing what I'm putting down, I can keep it moving. Mm -hmm. And that gives me the ability to speak with my full heart and my full self, being totally respectful of their point of view, but being willing and able and taking the risk to share mine. Mm -hmm. And so here's the example that's super exciting. So I was talking to a CEO of a $300 million company. This guy's done very well very successful, very open. And he sat with me over a cup of coffee. He said, Don, the reason I'm here is I'm open. I want to hear about some of this DNI stuff. Like I'm open, but I'm skeptical. Right. And I said, that's, that's fine. And so I got a couple questions and he starts rapid firing some different questions. And here is the great one. He said, isn't this DNI stuff a fad? I mean, seriously, do we really, like as a business, like, come on, business guy to business guy. Do I really need to care about this? Right. And wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. He starts kind of like, and I, and I lifted him and I started to smile and he goes, why are you smiling? I said, cause you actually have no choice. It's the other way around. You're either going to get with the program or the demographics are going to run you out of business because people that know the new demographics are going to sell their products at a rate so much faster than you, you'll never be able to catch up based on the business that, that he's in. And he looked at me and said, tell me more, yeah. <laughs> right? Because we were talking in a language of business and then we moved him to the emotive, mm -hmm. but we started with the language that that person could, could, uh, could understand. But anyway, that was a, a but a I, but I like what you were saying because we talking about if you use masks, so we've done a couple poster videos wearing masks and m most of it's positive, but we get, we get the 10 or 15 messages, comments about, and they, it's all political. And it's all hate language. And I just, I can't, I'm not here for it. I'm not going to listen to it. No, I, I, I'm not going to change your mind. I'm not, but my, my response has always been like, I'm not going to hurt you by wearing a mask. So you can back off yeah. now. But there's also, and I love Donald's words, move it along. Move it along. Keep it moving. And I will. Is it keep it moving or move it along? I want to use it. Either way, man. It's great though. I, I, I think you're right. The, the, um, the tensions over the past three years and, and both sides will blame the other over that. But sure. don't you feel like 
being an anti-racist shouldn't be bipartisan. Like that should be something we all agree on. And I can guarantee you in the comments of this podcast, we're going to get the what about but what about this? But what about they were resisting or what about, but they were rioting, but what about, yeah. but what about? And, and I, I encourage you when you see that. To move along. To keep it moving. I'm just going to say. <laughs> I as like to husband, read the comments. As your husband right over here showing you with love, let's just keep it moving. We got it from Donald. He said it. Donald said it. It's in the podcast. But we're going to keep like, it moving. I know. I know. But I'm like, that's, I can, I can she win him over. I can fight moving. the fight. <laughs> I can, can't do I it. can fight the fight. That's, yeah. Seriously, that's the best advice. You, you, you may have just saved our, our marriage, <laughs> but you didn't realize you were coming on here to do relationship advice, but you just did. I, I go deep into the comments and I want to change everybody's mind. And I mean, not every, I mean, but, but matters of this, this, this is, I don't understand why this will become political because it's going to yeah um so keep it moving keep it moving right. is there anything I'm, I'm sure we didn't ask some big questions i'm sure we missed something is there anything glaring that you think we need to be hitting on right now i mean we could talk about this until the end of time and yeah, not exactly. scratch the service but like is for for the purposes of this i i would say and then jack i'll let you, you give you give you some space the diversitymovement.com is our platform that is focused on the DNI perspective of what we're doing. And DNI, just for for the um, for diversity, diversity and inclusion. inclusion. Thank you. Yeah, thank I know. You. I'm just I'm just making sure. No, people, but thank you for that. Yeah. Right, that's an important thing because we all like, oh man, we just get yeah. it. diversity and inclusion. And if they if someone goes to the diversitymovement.com, we're super open for questions outside of the business landscape. And mm -hmm. one of the things that we've done is we have partners that work at various universities and PhDs that are focused just on race. Mm -hmm. We have others that are focused on neurodiversity. So we have a good network of people to answer questions and people that want resources and things that they're doing. So we would love it for people to just reach out and ask. And that's another way to be helpful is just that we all learn about each other. Mm -hmm. Jackie, what yeah. you got? I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think it's just a matter of finding the resources and, and what we do at the diversity movement is try to um, have a level of insights, whether it's through blogs or podcasts and things that you can read and, and listen to and, and get these new perspectives to help inform your thinking and create a level of cultural competence so that you can have those conversations and become a better ally. But I think being an ally is is the action. Yeah, I, I would add this, and you guys can edit or, or cut. But this is this is to where I would say the guilt. I was on a podcast earlier, and the host, like, and it was great conversation, and we're back and forth. But the host could not keep it together. It was what, like, she literally started crying three or four times during the podcast, mm -hmm. and I just was like, I do not blame you. <laughs> yeah, I do not wake up every day and look at every white person that. That, that I see and blame you for the sins of the past. What I want people to do, my hope, is how do we push it forward understanding the sins of the past, understanding some things that are built into the infrastructure of our, of our country and not make the same mistakes again, mm -hmm. and that we learn it together. And, and when I shared that, we kind of stopped taping for a little bit and then we kind of got back to it. Okay. But I'm finding that people that may have overlooked or not felt that these things were as big a deal as maybe African-Americans were making them. And now they're seeing these visuals that are shocking that truth are dealing with that, that guilt aspect. And I want to encourage people that are listening. That's not something that there's time for. 
right? Like mm. if you want to be helpful, put that aside for a little bit and just find an organization to, to donate to, right? Find, find kids in an African-American school that don't have backpacks and put a thousand dollars for backpack for kids while you're figuring out how to understand all the complex stuff. That's right? nice Whatever. to hear. I, I, and it's, level, can be helpful. Yeah. It's, it's nice to hear. And it's an important message in our introduction. That was one of the things that I, I brought up. I mean, I'm a white male, uh, from the South. And uh, I have, <laughs> I have lots of guilt. I know what my great, great grandfather was probably doing, um, you know, 200 years ago, it is a crippling feeling. And the, at the core of it is that it's not that, that there's people that before you that did it. The real fear is that it's somewhere in your DNA mm. and you don't realize it. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's the scary part. And I'll just be honest with you about that. And I, I, I think it'll always, I, I love, it's, it's refreshing to hear there's no time for that, but that's going to be a hard thing to lick. Yeah. And I think, yeah, in our uh, intro, I had some tears and then we did stop recording for a while because I was like, nobody wants, nobody needs to hear my tears. <laughs> like nobody, you know, to my, like I beat myself up a little bit, which is like, good. I should be upset. Like it's about time. I'm and 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 by the way, have cried about this stuff for years, but have just only pulled the microphone up and put record. But I felt, you know, nobody needed to hear me fall apart because there's there's just not time for that. But um, I thank you guys. I value your friendship. Yeah, thank you. I value the work you're doing. TheDiversityMovement.com. You can sign up for emails, there's courses, there's insights, there's stuff to do. Where else can people find you? That'd be the great place. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right there. Right. Okay. Just to, if, if we just focus everyone there, and, um, and I think that'd be a great place for us to develop a relationship with your audience. And anytime we can answer questions, if it comes up in, in, in other shows, send us a text message. We'll, we'll get back feedback timely so that you can keep the conversation going uh, as, as you go on your journey as allies. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And thank you for the grace that you've given us um, and, and, and the delay in this conversation. So thank you. 